I'm Lou Guadagnino. And this is Marilyn Guadagnino. Welcome to the Living Stress-Free Podcast. From Rochester, New York, on the edge of America. On the edge of America. (laughs) Our new little touch. (laughs) You pull a gong out of your pocket, did you? Okay. Hey, you never know when you need a gong. He reaches over and just hits the gong out of it. (laughs) All right. Hi, everyone. Hello. We've missed you. We're back. We took a little break, and we are here to chat with you for a little while, and I hope everybody's doing all right, or better than all right. I hope you're doing great. Yes, it's been a real time of uh, seclusion, and people are just starting to come out right now. And We also were pretty secluded, really. You -hmm. you were going to work Mm -hmm. just uh, one one day a week. And uh, so we're both around the house all the time, which was really different for us. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm falling in love with my house all over again. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's the one thing that's when you're around it all the time, you start to notice, oh, well, we can fix this and we can do that. And we can clean this up. And it's, it's been fun. It's been really nice. So um, I wanted to share with everybody, uh, in the morning I like to peruse the news articles and look for positive, interesting stories to help balance out everything else. And this story really struck me, I wanted to share, and then we're going to tie it into our little discussion today. So there's this couple in British Columbia, Canada, Catherine King and Wayne Adams, and they are living on Freedom Cove. And Freedom Cove is a hand-built little island they live on that's um, made out of recycled and salvaged materials. Um, by the way, you can you can read about this um, or hear about this story on The Great Big Story. It's a CNN podcast. So anyway, they're about 10 miles north of Tofino, British Columbia, off the west coast of Vancouver Island. And um, the size of their their living quarters is about two city lots, and they're tethered to shore. So they're not anchored, they're just kind of floating there in the water. And they have, where they live, they have a dance floor, an art gallery, a candle factory. <laughs> dance floor? Yes, because she likes to dance. That's Four great. greenhouses, a waterfall <laughs> of fresh water all the time. And they develop their own waste management system, which you would need to do, but it's so cool. It's so cool. But here's the biggest part. 29 years they've been living there. Whoa, Catherine and Wayne. Whoa! Congratulations. That's that's a a, must be some kind of a record. (laughs) Seriously, talk about shelter in place. They've been sheltering in place before the idea ever like like was thought of. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, that would be. I wonder. I would like to learn more about that. Like, what made them decide to do that? What was inspired? Why were they inspired to do this? Well, I just, you know, it was a brief article, but she's an artist and a dancer and into um, holistic healing and such. And he's a carver, woodworker, builder guy. And they, what I saw was um, they were at a party and their friends with their friends. And then a whole, there was a storm and a whole bunch of wood was, um, you know, cut came onto the area that they were with their friends and then he just got inspired with the idea of I don't know there definitely is more to the story (laughs) (laughs) you know I I, I I hope you don't take this one that's the worst uh, worst reporting I've ever seen in my (laughs) life Thus, I'm not a reporter. 
No, but I think it's I think it's really <laughs> inspiring, and I would like to see more and learn more about yeah. uh, Catherine and Wayne. Catherine and Wayne. Yeah. But anyway, it ties in with us nowadays as a as a community because you know. This whole idea of being stuck at home can be perceived in so many different ways. Yeah. And, you know, they like they they did talk about this. I do remember they They said that you have to give up certain conveniences, obviously, but they're on a very structured schedule. She like I said, she first thing Catherine does when she wakes up is she sweeps all the rugs and the carpets because it gets a little messy when you're out on, you know, out on the water. <laughs> <laughs> Sweep the seals off and the. The fish, whatever happens. <laughs> and then she starts watering her thousands of plants because they, 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 you know, grow their, grow own, their food, own food. Yeah. And then she'll take her canoe out and get seaweed for compost. Yeah, well, I was, I was just thinking that. I bet you she's got great compost. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, it struck me that they have to provide their own structure in their life to live, but it's a it's it's all like everything they do is out of love for what they have. Right. And many people have been out of work now for a long time. <laughs> many people their whole schedule has changed. And ex when external structures aren't there, I know some people I've worked with have trouble internally structuring themselves, like coming up with the ideas of what to do themselves when they don't have somebody outside of you saying, no, you got to be at work at 8 o'clock and you need to be here. You need to get to the gym for your class at 6 p.m. You know, when all that's gone, we're stuck with creating our own structure. And that's what this couple's been able to do on Freedom, Fred's Freedom Cove. But, you know, that's a problem yeah, but, a lot of people do have. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between people's most people's motivations for uh, their routine outside of work I'm talking about mm-hmm. um, than what you're describing because they're kind of living off the land so to speak and they so they're doing what's required of them right and I think a lot of people's time is spent doing what's required of them but as soon as they can they do what they desire right and I think that's very different you know that's very different than like when you're doing what's required of you not just if you're living off the grid like if you're a monk or if you live in a very simple way, you're taking care of daily requirements, things, you know, maybe you're chopping wood or you're starting a fire, or cooking food, you know, the, the essentials that you need to live. That's very different than going to play golf or tennis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it has a very different, um, you know, we have a different connection and relationship to it. You're abs- Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. But what about people that, they know they have requirements they need to do, but they just are stuck in a rut mm-hmm. where they just don't feel motivated to do those right. things. Yes, I, th- I think a lot a lot of people are falling into that category now. Um, how have you been working with your people on that when you're coaching? Well, one of the things that I talk to people about is is where their motivation is coming from to do something. And what I mean by that is a lot of times people will tell you that they want to do something, they want to go to the gym or they want to accomplish something, whatever it may be. But when they talk about it, they don't discuss it like it's an inspiration. They talk about it like it's a responsibility that's coming from outside of them. So even though their initial desire was to do something for themselves, somehow in their mind it gets turned around to become 
kind of a responsibility, a mandate, if you will, and mm-hmm. that just drains their inspiration. Mm-hmm. So that's how I work with people a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times around motivation issues, is helping them look at how they think about and what relationship they have to it. Mm-hmm. No, that makes total sense. Because if you feel like you're doing it because somebody said you should do this, it can it can cultivate resentment. And then some people yes. won't do it just on purpose because, well, I'm not going to do what they said to do. Well, that's what, yeah, I th- mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people call sabotaging. Mm-hmm. But see, I don't like the word sabotaging because yeah. it, it implies that there's some kind of unconscious process going mm-hmm. on, like some unusual kind of behind-the-scenes thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, but really people just create resentment around something like maybe again let's take something really simple like going to the gym or exercising you know they start out inspired Mm -hmm. but then in their minds they turn it into something they have to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it just i'm laughing because we all do this you know but it drains it drains the inspiration out of us It, it just you know it stops us from from continuing and wanting to con- to do it. So I guess the question is how you turn healthy habits from have to do to want to do. Yeah, I think, and that goes back to this couple, uh, Catherine and Wayne again, right. are living off the grid. Right. You know, again, if see, when you're doing something like building a fire or cooking food to survive, you know that you're doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very direct. Mm-hmm. I'm cooking this food to eat to survive. And so it's very direct. So the problem comes when we start thinking about these things in the abstract, when Mm -hmm. they stop becoming a reality, a direct reality, and they start becoming, um, you know, an abstraction of something that we want to become or something that we're trying to become or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You know, like monks, for instance, even though they're not really at survival mode, they live in a very basic way. They follow a very basic routine. But everything they do has to do with obviously directly surviving and living. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yes. Whereas going yes. to exercise because you want to live to be 100 or because you want to look like whoever, um, that's a very abstract way of viewing yourself. It also is long-term. People do better with um, short-term results. If they're going to do something, they, they want to see a result quick. Well, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to eat popcorn, you want to eat it now, right? I mean, who, who, who wants to plan to eat popcorn next week? It'll get stale for one <laughs> well, thing. Well, if you make it now, yes. But, I mean, it, there's the po- you know, there's, it's like saying, well, we'll have popcorn next Thursday, you know. <laughs> Remember when your mom would say something like that when you were a kid? It would be like, what? Well, you know what? It still is that way. What? (laughs) That's so great. That's so great. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the short-term goals. Well, well, think about drinking water. Okay. Everybody says you should drink water. It's good for your health. You should. (laughs) Which, yeah. Big believer in it. However... If you tell, especially, um, well, if somebody's very focused on how they look, their personal appearance, and they find that they drink a lot of water, their skin looks fresher and more youthful, 
they're going to be more likely to drink the water than just, oh, well, it's just healthy for me. If they can actually look in the mirror and see their skin has yeah, less they see direct results because yes. they drank more water, right. that is what motivates them. Yes, and that's also, again, those a direct relationship to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very important. You know, mm-hmm. if you're gardening or whatever you're doing, there's a very direct relationship. I think people lose their motivation when it becomes more and more abstract. Yeah. You know, what and, they're doing, why they're doing right. it, and what they're going to get from it. And there's certain things that don't give you an immediate result. Yeah. They, um, we'll use music as an example. If you're going to, if you want to be an amazing pianist and you want to play, you know, the Moonlight Sonata beautifully on piano, you can't just expect to take a piano lesson or two and be able to play Moonlight Sonata. You know you have to go through learning the basics. Unless you're Elton John. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, yes, there's these geniuses out there. (laughs) But yeah, you have to learn the basics, the scales. You have to practice certain arpeggios, things, until your fingers and everything are coordinated to be able to play the Moonlight Sonata. So... So that is a long-term goal that many people um, struggle with getting to that point. I mean, learning an instrument is, especially when you're younger, like when you're a kid, your parents are making you do lots of things. You know, you, you got to take music classes and dance classes. You have to be in sports and you have to do this. And I'm, I'm sure lots of kids enjoy it, but there, a, a lot of it is parents are telling me to do it. And then eventually they find what they have a real love for and then go more in that direction. But if you're an adult and like learning a musical instrument, you have to really be motivated because it's, you get impatient. And so it's that way for a lot of things that have, my point is that have a long-term result. Right. But that's once again, that's what I mean by abstract. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like doing something strictly for the result. Mm-hmm. And the result is a long ways away, like having popcorn next Thursday. <laughs> you know, but I think people who wind up great being great pianists are people who get something from practicing the piano. Exactly. Exactly. They're not waiting until they can play Moonlight Sonata really mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So we brings us back to process, not product. It's the process of doing things, mm-hmm. not where, you know, even though you have this goal you're shooting for, if you don't enjoy the journey, you're probably not going to reach your goal. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Wonderful way of putting it. Well, thank you. Yes. Well, one of the things I work with my folks on who struggle with motivation is the um, making things a sacred ritual. Because that's one of the tricks if you want to do something but you keep you don't have the inspiration and motivation to do it if you make it a sacred ritual you will be more likely to do it and um, i'll use meditation as an example because it's an easy one to describe so i work with people that want to meditate every day but it's just so easy not to do and put it off and meditation is one of those things that there's a long-term result um you got to hang in there and then you'll you'll notice your life change but it's not immediate so I give an example. I, I worked with one of my clients to make their area where they meditate extra special, like have a special chair and set up the area they do it very beautiful. Maybe like, you know, 
maybe put a I have one client she put one of these um screens around it one of those like Asian screens to mm-hmm. make it like real pretty and sort of in a corner so it's her little special area and then you can put like a candle there and wear a special outfit when you do it um you could burn incense or something and all of this is made to make it a sacred special ritual so you're more drawn to go do it instead of yeah I know I gotta go meditate and just like go sit somewhere and do it right who wants to do that absolutely I think I think you're right this making it a sacred ritual is is essential Mm -hmm. you know if you stop and you think about who who has been successful in meditation who's gotten the most out of meditation it's not people who go to meditate because they want to be less anxious it's people who meditate as a sacred spiritual practice right those are the people who continue the rest of their lives so i think that what you're saying is really true good yeah that really affects their motivation i think and you can do that with lots of things in your life because you know so many people again are stuck at home and they're not Catherine and wayne in canada and they're bored (laughs) and they're in a rut and they're saying every day i can't wait till this is over i can't wait till this is over but Mm -hmm. if they start making what they do throughout the day little little rituals little rituals they're going to enjoy their day more you know? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that would be very resistant to what you're saying, but I think you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that we at some point in our lives have to realize that we do have to be happy where we are, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, as, as, a Zen, <laughs> as a Zen Roshi told me one time, uh, you know, someday you're going to be in a hospital bed and you're going to be dying and you're not going to be able to change anything. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do then? <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's true. Th- I know that's a cold slap in the face, but it's real slap in the face. It's important to, you know, take that into consideration. So, yeah, I think we do have to have some responsibility for our condition. Yeah. And if, if we can't tolerate being at home, um, I, I do think that calls for some investigation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be as polite as I That's can. That's a great be. way of putting it. I love that. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's the uncertainty factor. That is what most people are struggling with right now. The uncertainty factor. We don't know how long the pandemic's going to last. We don't know how bad it might get. When right. it's going to get better. We don't know. We don't know any of that at when all. The financial situation is going to get better. We or don't, if it gets better. Yeah. We, we just don't know anything about most big things in life. And, mm-hmm. and that's really, we're in a whole new state of mind in terms of life. And, you know, I can't remember it ever being this way in my lifetime. No, it's, mine neither. It's uncertainty off the charts uncertainty. And so um, what can you do? It comes back to mindfulness is being in the moment. There's really, since we cannot do anything to change what's going to happen, and there's no way of knowing unless we know some really good psychic, and then um, please let us know their name. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, re- I, please. Soon. But seriously, I think what what is what you're saying is so important. People have to make their lives sacred. Yes. You know, your life has to be sacred in some way, shape, or form, so that your daily activity is truly joyous, mm-hmm. and and you enjoy yourself and what you're doing, uh, no matter how simple it may be. 
And at the same time, you know, you if you do it in a sacred way, you can really learn from it. And it's easier than people think. It's just the mind loves to shoot forward and think about the future that we don't know anything about. And all it is is a matter of just shifting. It's like in the old days, a radio station, you just turn the knob. Or if you're in your car, just press the button to the other selected station. You just shift to the, to the right. now perception. Let the future be. There's nothing we can do about it. And even worrying about it is just going to drag down your now. You know, like John Lennon says, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Yep. And life is now. And so making your everyday existence more sacred will help you focus on the now and just let the future be. And, and we will deal with it as it unfolds. Yeah, well, let's look at food and just cooking, just one example. You know, there is time I've spent in temples where I usually wind up in the kitchen uh, as my kind of service. <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah, yeah I do. I love, I love it. So I've learned a lot from being in uh, different sacred traditions, uh, kitchens uh, during retreats. And, you know, one of the things that I learned from them uh, in every tradition was how what happens when people see food as being sacred mm -hmm. uh, both in cooking it and also in enjoying it mm -hmm. um, it changes your whole relationship to food yeah. one could argue that many many of the problems that we have with our food and our diet and our health and our diet and our diet and our weight and our weight and our looks and our looks and our, <laughs> and our diet you know that all of that you know that gooey mess you know, yeah, yeah those... that a lot of it could be solved by looking at it as being a sacred event. Yeah. Yeah. From the moment you're planting it to the moment you're eating it all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, would it, what would things look like if we saw food as being a sacred thing? Exactly. And that whole idea works for even, quote, bad habits. And I don't like using the word bad. Um, maybe habits that lead to not the best physical health. So like if you're a smoker and you're smoking a cigarette, if you saw that moment when you're smoking as a sacred event, instead of just chain smoking your way through the pack, it will slow down your smoking. Yeah, that's very true. And, and that's like a real paradoxical truth to that that's very true people i know people who actually gave up smoking through mm -hmm. uh, smoking in a mindful way mm -hmm. and they learned usually the first lesson they learned was that they didn't want most of the cigarettes they were smoking exactly uh, they learned to just smoke when they actually wanted one mm -hmm. and uh, they found out that most of the ones they were smoking they didn't even want they were just doing right. that a blind habit right Right, right. So instead of smoking and thinking about things, you just smoke and experience the inhalation, the exhalation, and watch the smoke come out and all that. And it's a whole different experience. Right. So, so yeah, our, our, I guess our main message today is mindful living, being in the moment each day. Just focus on today and make it a sacred event. And don't smoke. <laughs> And eat your popcorn now, I just, I just not thought, next week. I thought I should get that disclaimer in. We're not promoting cigarette smoking. That's hysterical. So we really want to encourage everyone to hang in there. This is not forever. Everything's temporary. 
even what is happening now, it is temporary. It will change. And um, just hang in there and try and see the positives each day. And, you know, and we're with you. Um, I just a side note, I was sending podcasts out of the different chapters of my book, The Living Stress-Free Bible, 20 Techniques to Make Your Life Less Stressful. And um, I'm coming back to that. Um, so I had a little snafu with getting my chapter three out on um, all the social media. I needed it too. So um, I'm going to get back to that. And there'll be more chapters of that book coming out because now is a great time to be hearing about stress-free living. So we hope you all have a great week and we will be back as soon as we can. So have a good one and take care. Until then. <laughs> the gong again.